traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled with the primal forces of nature! And you Hey there, this is your mad prophet of the airwaves and welcome once again to Radio Free Canada news notes and opinions, mostly mine, from the underground for Wednesday, December the 21st in the year of our Lord, 2022. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Four more sleeps, four, Declan. Now, just on a point of clarification, is it an electric train set or a steam engine train set you want Santa to bring? I'm feeling I'm feeling steam. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I don't even I don't know if you can even buy a toy stream engine train. I, what, well, what I meant to say was I don't I don't know if Santa and his elves have the time to make a toy stream a steam engine train. Would you settle for electric? Uh, I don't know, but that's the magic of Christmas, you know. Like he, I feel like he can he can do it. There you go. Excellent, excellent point. That's it. The magic of Christmas. My producer Declan, the uh, Richard Serrett Show. Dot so cute. 
TheRichardSaratShow.com, TheRichardSaratShow.com, and uh, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. That's the number to get on board. The phone lines are available right now, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. And uh, we'll k- take your calls in just a few moments. But the uh, the crime minister, the crime minister wants you to know that it sucks when he and his creepy band of grifters in cabinet get caught violating ethics rules. That's what he said. It sucks. But the fact that they get caught means the system is working, he says. Yes. Yes, it's working. It seems to be working for him just fine. And Minister Ng and others. It's another learning opportunity for all of us. Every time he breaks the rules, it's a learning opportunity for us. What was this? The sixth ethics violation. So I guess we're learning a lot, right? I guess we owe him that. Imagine, imagine someone comes to your house. It's Christmas. So uh, say they break into your house and they pee on your poinsettias. And you catch them right there in the living room. And he says, uh, sorry. And then sheepishly backs out of the room, runs out of the house. Then a couple of days later, you catch him again. There he is, right in the middle of your living room, peeing on your poinsettias. This creep is caught midstream. He says, sorry, I'll try and do better. The next time, the next two times, you catch him. Taking a whiz on your Christmas plant, he zips up and says, well, this is a learning opportunity for both of us. Finally, Finally, on the sixth day, the sixth time you catch him peeing on your now completely destroyed poinsettia, he looks you right in the face with that shinola-eating grin of his and says, geez, this really sucks. Thanks, Crime Minister. Thanks for that. Speaking of shameless grifters, I see Ukrainian strongman Zelensky has arrived in Washington Cap in hand again, demanding more money. And Grampy Joe Biden, more than willing to oblige, he has presented him with another check for $45 billion. No strings attached. Here, Voldemir, wash this. I mean, here, take this money. That's quite a racket Zelensky has going. Those must be some damning photos or documents that Zelensky has on Grampy Joe and Macron and Trudeau. I mean, how do you feel about your tax dollars going to a blackmailer? I mean, I'm not thrilled about it, especially when that money could go to, I don't know, how about offering some real help to our veterans rather than having some demonic caseworker suggest they opt for suicide? I don't know, just a thought. That's just me being a foolish Putin propagandist, I guess. Uh, Say, I'm adding Norway to a list of countries I have zero interest in visiting. Check this out. A woman in Norway is facing up to three years in prison on criminal hate speech charges after saying that a man cannot become a lesbian. I kid you not. Tonye Jevjon is a lesbian filmmaker and actress 
And she was informed on November the 17th that she was under investigation for speaking out against prominent Norwegian activist Christine Gentoft on Facebook. Gentoft is a transgender female, in other words, a biological man that often refers to herself as a lesbian mother. Gentoff previously accused another woman, Christina Ellingson, of transphobia for a similar claim. Ellingson is also under investigation and faces three years in jail if found guilty. The post on Jevion's Facebook page under investigation read, quote, it's just an it's just as impossible for men to become a lesbian as it is for men to become pregnant. Men are men regardless of their sexual fetishes. Jevjan has said that she intentionally posted her Facebook message to draw attention to Norway's hate speech laws. Jevjan's comments appear to be under investigation for falling under a 2020 amendment to the country's penal code that added gender identity and gender expression under protected categories from hate speech. People found guilty of hate speech face a fine of up or up to one year in prison for private remarks. Private remarks and a maximum of three years for public comments. So let's, let's recap. She's facing three years in jail for saying it's just as impossible for men to become a lesbian as it is for men to become pregnant. That is hate speech in Norway. I mean, those are completely 100% correct statements. They're not even remotely controversial. And yet... If you utter them in public in Norway, you will be thrown in jail for three years. Well, thank God that could never happen in Canada. <laughs> right. All right. Coming up on today's uh, radio presentation. Last order of business in hour two. An internal immigration memo ob obtained through an access of information filing reveals that back in January 2022, January 2022, the federal government chose to relax COVID restrictions on illegal border crossers, relax COVID restrictions on the illegal border crossers at Roxham Road. At the very same time, the federal government were imposing vaccination mandates on our truckers. Sheila Gunn-Reed from Rebel News will be here with this story. I'm shocked, I tell you, shocked. Uh, I've carved out another opportunity for your calls in hour two, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. American Trends forecaster Gerald Salente, the founder of the Trends Journal and the Trends Research Institute, returns to the program in our feature interview uh, interview segment. Uh, he'll join me in hour two with his thoughts on the economy, geopolitics, and a future dystopia. Get this. The world's first artificial womb facility. You heard me correctly. An artificial womb facility, which will allow parents to design their child's height, strength, and intelligence. The clinic expects to develop 30,000 lab-grown babies yearly. And the developer expects technology will be, uh, will be used around the world within the next 10 to 15 years. Wednesdays. We push back against the death cult of climate change with Tony Heller, the founder of RealClimateScience.com. 
Is it possible we finally hit bottom in Toronto in terms of violence and crime and depravity? Sadly, that's a, a pipe dream. Welcome to the new Toronto. Toronto the ugly. Toronto the bad. A pack of teenage girls aged 13 to 16. 13 to 16. Set upon a 59-year-old homeless man early this morning and stabbed him to death. Totally unprovoked. According to Toronto police, the teens acted like a pack of wild animals. And I can hear North America's most ridiculous mayor and his silly council right now. We need more programs. We need to spend more money to reduce poverty. We need more youth programs. Enough. We don't need another penny to be spent on drop-in centers and anti-poverty programs. These animals met on social media. They have no moral compass. And I'm going to take a flying leap here and assume many, maybe most, maybe all of these teenagers have no father present in the home. It's way, way, way past time that our progressive, woke, failed politicians finally concede they don't have a clue. It's time they admit that their woke policies and their programs have been a complete waste of time and money, a complete failure on every level. Toronto is now officially Gotham. And it only gets worse from here, folks, until every last radical left progressive politician and bureaucrat is shown the door. This only gets worse, not better. Toronto Sun, uh, Sun crime reporter Brad Hunter will be here shortly with the uh, details. But before that, I'm opening up the phone lines. I just have a couple of minutes here to conduct a short poll. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. These teens will be charged as young offenders. They won't be identified, nor will their families. They'll likely do three years in jail max. Is it time to do away with the Youth Criminal Justice Act, previously known as the Young Offenders Act? Charge these teens as adults in such heinous crimes. 289-275-9600. Just enough time for a few calls. 289-275-9600. The Richard Serrett Show off and running for Wednesday, December the 21st. Facta non verba. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. And uh, just ahead of uh, Toronto Sun crime reporter Brad Hunter, as uh, we get set to talk about these teenage girls aged 13 to 16, eight of them aged 13 to 16, swarming a homeless man in and around the, uh, I guess, uh, Union Station in Toronto early Sunday morning. Assaulted him, beat him, and stabbed him. He succumbed to his injuries. 59-year-old homeless man. Eight teenagers, girls, age 13 to 16. Toronto police said they acted like animals. A pack of wolves. And... Uh, as one of the uh, Toronto police spokespeople said, or anonymously, they're not going to do any serious crime. There'll be no serious consequences. Maximum, maximum, they might serve as many as three years. That's it. Some of them will be out and back in school in time to graduate alongside your sons and daughters. We used to call it the Youth, Youth uh, Young Offenders Act. Now it's what the Youth Criminal Justice Act. 
it's time to do away with that once and for all in such cases, such heinous crimes. Try them as adults. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. As I say, Brad Hunter will be here and we'll get the uh, unfortunate details from him. Again, trying to roll into the uh, Christmas season with a little merriment. And uh, not possible on any given day. The greater Toronto area is becoming Gotham. No, we've already arrived. We are Gotham. Where's Batman? And you know, you know that the same tired, insipid talking heads will be talking about more money for youth programs, more money for drop-in centers, more money to reduce poverty. Not going to get it done. Not by a hundred miles. Because that's not the problem. Young girls don't decide to go out and prey on some vulnerable homeless person brutally ending his life because of poverty. They don't do it because there aren't enough drop-in centers. They do it because they have no moral compass. And I don't think I'm going out on a flyer here and predicting that we will, if we find out anything, that most of these, huh, miscreants is not the word. Most of these teenage girls we'll find came from fatherless homes. All right, we will get Brad Hunter to uh, speak about this crime reporter for the Toronto Sun, well-known true crime author. His latest is Inside the Mind of John Wayne Gacy, the real-life killer clown. Brad Hunter is next. The Richard Serrett Show returns in about three minutes. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's The Richard Serrett Show. We're going to talk about uh, some more about this horrible, horrible, grisly murder that took place early Sunday morning in Toronto. A homeless man swarmed and then fatally beaten and stabbed by a pack of teen girls. One Toronto police source described as wild animals. Brad Hunter is a crime reporter for Post Media, The Sun Newspapers, and the author of Inside the Mind of John Wayne Gacy, the real-life killer clown. Hey, Brad, how are you? Richard, how are you? Can you hear me? I can. Yes, I can. And I was uh, saying earlier how Toronto, it seems, has now officially become Gotham. Uh, I can't recall such a, uh, uh, you know, obviously homeless people have been brutally murdered before in this city. But I guess what sticks out in, in most people's minds, I'm guessing, is the the perpetrators here. Eight teenage girls aged 13 to 16 um, can you just give us a quick timeline of what happened early Sunday morning? Yeah, sure. Around early Sunday morning, this uh, group of girls who uh, who had uh, apparently they came from across the city um, and had connected on social media. I'm not sure what the, the driving force was on social media. They uh, they they got together and uh, uh, I guess there have been other 
altercations, interactions, allegedly downtown, when they uh, uh, set upon this uh, 59-year-old man and his friends who were sharing a bottle of booze and his friend who were sharing a bottle of booze and a cigarette or whatever you were doing. And, uh, and they wanted that bottle and they uh, allegedly attacked him. And then they went, came, stepped away and then they went at him again. And then they kept going at him and, until uh, he was stabbed with something or other. And uh, this took place what, around Union Station? University. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Around Union Station. And I mean, they didn't even care what was going on, apparently, because, you know, the cops picked them up nearby. It's not like, you know, my God, I better make a run for it and, you know, get to the safe confines of home, which, you know, most of us would do. They didn't seem to be bothered uh, about that. So not only did they care not a lick for this man's life, they don't even care about their own lives. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what it looks like. But, uh, you know, as, as you know, my cop sources told me, you know, there's an element of, you know, why should they care? They're they're What's the most they're going to get? Three years, as the, the one, my one police source said that, you know, they're going to be in high school and finishing high school and going to graduation. Uh, uh Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. So, I mean, that's that's the thing. There are there are no consequences, but I think, you know, more more prevalently, Richard, there seems to be a uh, a climate of of uh, fear that's that it's increasing and it's spreading and it's malignant. That I mean, the the homicide rate itself is flatlining. It's not, you know, uh, the morgue isn't extra busy. It's about what it has been. But the problem is where the politicians have lost control of this is that fear. You know, I mean, I my my 15 year old son is six foot three and he won't go on the subway without a buddy because, you know, it's, you know, that unnerving. Yeah, you know, and what's equally uh, unnerving or just downright frustrating is, you know, we're going to hear from the usual suspects. And I mean, a North America's silly, most silly neighbor, or sorry, North America's most ridiculous mayor and our silly council. And they're going to start talking about we need more money for programs. We need more drop in centers. We need more anti-poverty programs. We need more money for, for youth and so forth. Uh, when will they ever learn? It has nothing to do with that. This is this is just uh, young people who have lost their moral compass. And I was 
um, suggesting, you know, I, I will not be surprised to learn that most, maybe all of these young miscreants came from homes in which there was no father. What do you think? I think that would be, I think that would probably be a very, uh, very good bet. Um, that, you know, I mean, it seems, I mean, we don't know how profound it affects them. And, and, you know, you want to be somewhat reasonable about it because their moms may be working two jobs just to keep a roof over their heads and whatnot. And that means an unsupervised child and an unsupervised child means, means trouble. I mean, and, but part of the thing is too, is I was speaking with, uh, um, a good friend of mine, it's in my column for, it's online now, but it's in the newspaper for tomorrow, as uh, my best friend in New York was a 20-year NYPD man. He retired as a police captain and went to work at the Post, and that's where I met him. But he had, uh, he was one of the, the architects of CompStat that, that was part of the big drop in homicides in New York from 2,200 down to like three or 400 now. But he pointed out that, and it has pointed out to me many times, that any decision to tackle crime is always political. The cops can only do so much. And then it's in the, the ballpark of the politicians. If they say, nah, I'm not bothered by this. I want to, you know, uh, sit around the campfire and things like that, then that's what's going to happen. If they say, People are terrified. We have to do something about this. Then something is going to get done. But until that day comes, you know, we all know that, you know, the, the suspects, you know, if they're convicted, they haven't been convicted of anything yet. But, you know, if convicted, then it'll be, you know, uh, an easy ride for them. Exactly. They don't care. They do not care. And meanwhile, we have a 59 year old homeless man named Kenny in a morgue. Um, and let's not forget Kenny. I mean, it doesn't sound like he had anyone or anything. Uh, and now he lost the one thing I guess that he did have, and that's his life to a pack of eight teenaged wild animals, aged 13 to 16. Um, Brad, thanks so much for your time. I want to wish you and yours a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And right back at you, Richard. Thank you very much. All the best in 2023. You take care of yourself. Okay. When we come back, the cult of climate change, Tony Heller, will be here. Stay with us. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. The cult of climate change on The Richard Serrett Show. Hey, welcome back. Our last Cult of Climate Change show of 2022, of course, but we'll be back early in 2023. Tony Heller is with us, the founder of RealClimateScience.com. Hey, Tony, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yeah, you too, Richard. Uh, I want to begin with this uh, this story. This happened, uh, I guess, this is about a week ago, uh, not quite a week ago. And uh, President Biden in the United States, roasted by his critics, uh, for sending South Africa $8 billion, not just for, you know, a blank check with no strings attached, $8 billion to shut down their coal plants. Uh, in other words, we want you to, uh, to go green even before you get, uh, you know, access to the, the, you know, the industrial revolution that, that, uh, lifted 
millions and millions and millions of people out of poverty. We want you to shut down your coal fired plants. Uh, basically, he's condemning them to, uh, to, a, to to more poverty, isn't he? Well, it's worse than that. Um, you know, if you build in a, uh, an energy infrastructure that's dependent on wind, you're, you're guaranteed to fail because there's times when the wind's not blowing. Um, you, you know, South Africa has a certain number of power plants they need to remain functional. If they shut them down, then when the wind's not blowing, they're guaranteed to not have enough energy. I mean, you can't use wind power as a substitute for existing power plants because there's times when wind power doesn't work. So if they go along with this, they're guaranteed to have a disaster in the future. Um, You see this going on in the United Kingdom about probably 15 to 20 percent of the time. There's very little wind in the United Kingdom. And Boris Johnson kept talking about how the, the homes are going to be 100 percent wind powered by 2030. It doesn't make any sense because well, what's he going to do, just freeze everybody to death and have them freeze in the dark when the wind's not blowing? And the, the whole idea doesn't make any sense. Well, if it, the uh, the U.S. just cut a, another check to Ukraine for forty five billion dollars, why don't why doesn't the United States and other countries get together and and I don't know buy uh, or pay for the construction of a bunch of nuclear um, uh, plants, electric plants for for South Africa and some of these other developing countries? Wouldn't that be better? Well, that that idea would be based on the assumption that they want these countries to succeed, right? Which is probably not the case, right? They're they're implementing policies which are guaranteed to make the country collapse, and they're they're offering taxpayers money as an incentive to do this, right? And and um, I think it's a pretty safe bet that. None of that eight billion dollars is going to find its way into wind and solar projects anyway. It's going to go into a Swiss bank account someplace. Yeah, right now on Twitter, ten um, percent for the big guy is trending. You know, every money he gives out just comes back to his family. So it's it's all about kickbacks. Uh, just a quick word. We just have a couple minutes, and we'll break. Come back and talk about other matters. But I wanted to. I had to laugh out loud. This one made me feel good. So uh, AOC Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, uh, the squad leader, uh, she released. I guess she produced this documentary on climate change. It's um, it's called The End, and it debuted in theaters uh, last weekend. Complete and utter flop. Yeah. Um... It goes to show how she's just a press, um, you know, media creation. Um, when one, you know, the press constantly pushes her, they constantly push her on social media. But when it comes down to people making choices, are they going to spend money to go see an AOC movie? Nobody shows up because nobody actually cares about this nonsense. The whole, the whole thing is just a scam being pushed by the press and politicians and social media. The uh, the documentary I, I, was my mistake. It's called To the End, and uh, it, it apparently it opened across 120 theaters. The documentary earned an average of just eighty one dollars per theater during its debut weekend, so it made a mere nine thousand six hundred and sixty seven dollars across one hundred and twenty theaters. Wow! There you go. In the end, I guess that's the end of To the End. All right, we'll take a uh, quick. A timeout when we come back. A couple of stories from the realclimatescience.com website. 
uh, a PhD climate scientist from New Zealand making some outrageous claims. And uh, we'll go back to 1930 to the archives about alpine glaciers being in full retreat. Tony Heller, founder of realclimatescience.com, stays with us. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show right here on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Back to the conversation on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk Saga 960 AM. Every Wednesday, we push back against the death cult of climate change. Tony Heller is founder of RealClimateScience.com. And uh, Tony, I'm just reading on your website, you're in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And uh, the temperatures there dropped, was it this morning, dropped from 42 degrees Fahrenheit to 2 degrees Fahrenheit in an hour? Yeah, it just happened probably much less than an hour. It probably happened in half an hour. Um, And we're headed down to... Um, I think something like minus 29 degrees Fahrenheit tonight. So I've never seen a temperature drop like this before. It's pretty incredible. Must be that hot air blowing in from the Arctic, right? Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? The, the press keeps telling us that the Arctic's very hot and it's melting and all the ice is disappearing. There was a story a few days ago saying that Arctic sea ice was sixth lowest on record. I'm how could they say something that ridiculous in December? It doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, but there, there was a news story about a couple of days ago saying that December is um, temperatures in um, the Arctic are very hot. It's record hot temperatures for December. And so I made the point that, look, we've got this incredibly cold Arctic air, historically cold Arctic air coming down into Canada and the United States right now. Um, where is it coming from? You know, they, they tell us that the Arctic air is the ice is melting. But somehow, for some reason, when that incredibly warm, that hot air, as they described, uh, comes down here to Wyoming, it's incredibly cold, cold enough to kill you in a, a matter of a few minutes. And I pointed out how ridiculous that is. It doesn't make sense. So some Ph.D. climate scientist from New Zealand weighed in and said, there was nothing wrong. There's nothing inconsistent about the idea of having a hot Arctic and extremely cold Arctic air. Right. Well, not it's that you need absurd. any help, not that you need any help. But then I noticed there were a couple of other people uh, well-versed in thermodynamics, thermal dynamics weighed in and explained why that's simply impossible. Uh, so why is that impossible in terms of thermal dynamics? Why can't you have hot, a hot area in the Arctic and then uh, colder weather south you know from south of the arctic well the the, the cold air comes from the arctic right <laughs> and we we've got record cold air in the united states which originated in the arctic um you know is it there in the arctic a couple of days ago so the claim that it's hot in the arctic doesn't make any sense because that's where the air came from um and if you look at today's temperature map you know from uh uh, like the University of Maine, you can see the temperatures in the Arctic are like minus 30 degrees Celsius right now. So what are they talking about? It's hot. You know, I think people who claim that minus 30 degrees Celsius is hot should go on a field trip there without any fossil fuels or any clothing manufactured using fossil fuels or any heat, fossil fuel heat or any products that are transported using fossil fuels. And in a few days, they can tell us how hot that is. Of course, they won't be alive, but it's just ridiculous statements made by academics sitting in their nice fossil fuel powered offices. And I think the point is that what they're 
you know, the underlying information is temperatures in the Arctic are four or five degrees Celsius above what the average is for the date. But minus 30 degrees is Celsius is not hot. It's incredibly cold. And yet this individual has a Ph.D. in climate science. Yeah, it's it's a total abuse of of uh, language to um, to describe it as being hot. And then they're trying to blame it on the burning of fossil fuels. I mean, they're trying to get fossil fuels shut down and fossil fuels are the only thing that's going to keep people alive in this kind of weather. We have a giant wind farm just to the west of Cheyenne. When it gets cold like this, they have to shut the wind farm down because of icing on the blades. So we're completely dependent on coal and natural gas for our survival when we get cold weather like this. And these these clowns in academia are trying to blame fossil fuels. They're trying to get fossil fuels shut down when fossil fuels are the only hope that people have for survival in this sort of weather. Uh, one of the things that you do on uh, the website, realclimatescience.com, you go back into the archives and, and um, you found a story from 1930 relating to alpine glaciers being in full retreat. Tell us about it. Yeah, it was, I think it was, uh, was it from the New York Times? I think I don't remember exactly what that article was about. It was discussing how glaciers in the Alps were in full, which I'm looking for it right now. Yeah, it was, yeah, the, it was New York. the New York Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, you know, it's from 1930. Um, I, I mean, I've got... Dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds of these articles from the first half of the 20th century about glaciers disappearing. You know, by, by about 1902 or 1903, it was obvious to scientists that glaciers all over around the world were retreating. Um, some of them very rapidly. And the Alaska's largest glacier at Glacier Bay started retreating very rapidly around 1790. Um, the Petermont Glacier, the largest glacier in Greenland, was retreating very rapidly around 1850, as was the, the glaciers in Glacier National Park. Um, so the, these glaciers have been retreating for a very long time. But what these climate alarmists do is they go, they get information, such and such glacier retreated, you know, two miles over the last 10 years, and they, they try to make it. They try to blame that on global warming when, in fact, these same glaciers were retreating very rapidly 150 or 170 years ago. Right, because glaciers retreat after an ice age. And I guess technically we're still in an interglacial period, right? Yeah, we're near the peak of the interglacial right now. Um, glaciers have been retreating, you said, for 20,000 years. Although it's interesting, a lot of glaciers are no longer retreating. The, the Jacob Schaben Glacier in, in um, Greenland retreated very rapidly from 1850 to 1950, but now that glacier is actually growing. And the same thing is true in Glacier National Park. The glaciers there retreated very rapidly from 1850 to 1950. But if you look at Google Earth historical imagery now, you can see that those same glaciers have grown over the last 30 years, which would indicate to me that the climate is probably colder now than it was 100 years ago. Right. And those glaciers will continue to grow as we head on into the next unavoidable ice age at some point in the future. Hopefully the very, very, very distant 
future. Tony Heller, founder of RealClimateScience.com. Again, Tony, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you and yours. Thank you for everything that you've done for us in 2022. And I look forward to some more riveting and informative conversations in 2023. Yes, you too, Richard. Thank you. All right. When we come back, Hour 2 awaits. Gerald Salente, founder of the Trends Research Institute and publisher of the Trends Journal. And uh, also, uh, we will carve out a little bit of time for uh, your calls. 289-275-9600. Just keep that number handy. 289-275-9600. And last order of business, we'll check in with Sheila Gunn-Reed, Rebel News Alberta Bureau Chief. We'll talk about... um, some internal immigration uh, ministry memos uh, that were obtained through the uh, access to information file, cloud filing, uh, which showed that the uh, well, at the same time, the federal government was rolling back quarantine restrictions, COVID restrictions. They were rolling them back for illegal border crossers at Roxham Road. They were imposing vaccine mandates on Canadian truckers. I'm shocked, I tell you, shocked. All right, stay tuned. Hour two of The Richard Serrett Show, right after these on Saga 960 AM. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Meaning we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Richard Serrett Show, therichardserrettshow.com, therichardserrettshow.com. Keep this number handy because we'll open up the phone lines a little bit later, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Also this hour, last order of business, Sheila Gunn-Reed, Rebel News Alberta Bureau Chief and host of The Gun Show, will be here. And uh, this is great, right? So uh, back in January... Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. 
tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. While the federal government was imposing these vax- vaccine mandates on our truckers, which in large measure were responsible for sort of igniting the whole Freedom Convoy movement and the big protest in Ottawa, which then resulted in the Emergencies Act and the uh, freezing of bank accounts. Well, at the same time that they were imposing these vax mandates on our truckers, totally unnecessary, they were rolling back COVID quarantine restrictions on illegal border crossers, mainly at Roxham Road. How do you like them apples? Sheila Gunn-Reed will be here with the details. I'm shocked, I tell you, shocked. Uh, as I mentioned, we'll uh, also carve out a little bit of time for your um, your calls, 289-275-9600. I tried to get this going earlier, but we didn't have a lot of time. And uh, we'll uh, maybe revisit this grisly, disturbing murder that happened Sunday morning. A 59-year-old homeless man known as Kenny was uh, descended upon by a pack of eight teenage girls aged aged 13 to 16. Imagine. They all met on social media, came from different parts of the greater Toronto area, came downtown and set upon this poor individual beat him and stabbed him to death. And of course, they won't do any serious time because of our wonderful Youth uh, Criminal Justice System Act. Maximum three years. They'll be out in time to to attend graduation ceremony along with your uh, precious sons and daughters in high school. So is it time to get rid of the Young Offenders Act? That's what we used to call it. I still call it that, the Young Offenders Act. Time to get rid of it. Uh, these, These... Miscreants should be tried as adults in such heinous crimes. All right. Before we get to that, I got to tell you, I uh, I love the Trends Journal. It's a weekly, but uh, you can also get it as a monthly. And I'm looking at the uh, the front cover, the most recent issue. And uh, Gerald Salente, of course, America's foremost trends forecaster. His head is exploding. Corruption, oppression, World War Three, censorship, tyranny, lies. Calm down, Salenti. What are you so up, uh, so upset about? I ask you, Gerald, what are you so upset about? How are you, my friend? Welcome aboard again. Well, thanks for having me. You know, you're talking about those uh, those young girls that kill that guy. Mm. The fish rots from the head down. Mm-hmm. You said before you were shocked at, you know, what they've done with the with the emergency act and it. We have people call it a government. It's a crime syndicate. They're murderers and thieves. By their deeds, you shall know them. How many more wars do they have to start killing people all over the world? I I love I love the the British. Oh, we have to do something to help Ukraine. Oh, yeah. You mean the, the place where the sun never set on the British Empire? I just read an article. They killed like 145 million people in India during the course that they were there. I mean, look, look, look at all the wars that the politicians start. And hey, you're a nobody. You're a nothing. Close down your business. Only the big essentials could stay in business. The ones that give us money. You know, it's, it's a crime scene. Hey, I'm Jamie Dimon. I'm Goldman Sachs. I'm, 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 I'm the, uh, I'm Morgan Stanley. Well, I'm too big to fail. You're just a piece of garbage. It's a crime syndicate. People call it a political government. 
That's the way I see it. From a Jeremy. guy, by the way, just in, in, yeah. I don't want to interrupt you, but I began my career running political campaigns in Westchester County, the yeah. richest county in America in 1971. I worked on the mayoral campaign in Yonkers, a city of over 200,000 people, uh, district attorney, Senate. Uh, they sent me to Albany. I was the assistant to the secretary of the New York State Senate. The worst job I ever had in my life. I quit because I wasn't brought up. I watched grown men grovel to suck their way up to the top. Oh, and by the way, all these bureaucrats, bureaucrats, like all these little arrogant boys and girls that played health minister during the COVID war. Hmm. These are the little clowns, the little nothings that can't get a job in the real world, suck into the political system, bend over, take it. And then they become the most arrogant little clowns to tell us what to do. So when I say I know the system, I can show you the picture of me picking up Ronald Reagan at the Chicago Hilton when I was 30 years old, 1976, uh, putting on a, a, a brunch with our board of directors. Me and John Connolly, the guy that took the bullet in the back, the governor of Texas, mm-hmm. with he, me and his wife in front of the book depository. First time back in 1992 since the assassination. I've been with presidents, prime ministers and princes. I've been on the other side. It's a crime syndicate. Daryl, let me ask you, because you mentioned Ukraine and uh, Zelensky is uh, back in Washington, just received another check for what was it? Forty five billion dollars. And uh, I mean, obviously, he's got some incriminating documents and pictures of uh, Grampy Joe Biden and probably our uh, our leader as well. That the Chinese affectionately call him little potato, the prime minister Trudeau, uh, maybe Macron as well. Um, is, is that what this is about? Is this a giant money laundering operation in Ukraine? It's, it's a it's 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 more than that. It's it's they want their coal. They want their oil. You go back to our Trends Journal spring when it used to be a monthly 2014. Dr. Paul Craig Roberts, he was the assistant Treasury secretary under Ronald Reagan, wrote an entire article of the United States overthrow of the democratically elected government of Viktor Yanukovych. Because Yanukovych, Ukraine has been busted since the Soviet Union broke up. And according to the European Union, the most corrupt nation in Europe, they were going to make a deal with the IMF, the International Mafia Federation, and the EU. Putin said, listen, I got a better deal for you. I'll give you lower interest rates and I'll cut your price in oil. But that was it. Victoria Nuland, under Secretary of State, under Barack Obama, caught on on a they they hacked into her cell phone with uh, Jeffrey Pyatt, the U.N. ambassador, saying how they were going to overthrow the government and put Yatsin, this little boy Yatsenyuk. And and it's right there. Mm -hmm. The United States overthrew the government because and again, you go back to the agreement made between Gorbachev and, and Bush senior, quote, NATO would not move one inch further. There were 16 NATO countries. Now they're almost 30. So now if we had the Russians up in Canada with missiles aimed at us in America, the Chinese down in Mexico with missiles aimed at us, the, let's see, we could put Iran down in the, in the Gulf of Mexico and, and China off the coast of, of, of Canada as well. Oh, America would be very happy about that. Oh, so America to be talking about Russia aggression Who's killed more people since World War II than America? 
I'm 76 years old. I grew up during the Vietnam War. Every day, every day, are they going to get me? Are they going to get me? Are they going to get me? How about how about the the first Iraq War? How about we're going to get that guy Osama bin Laden dead or alive? Oh, you mean the American War in Afghanistan? Oh, you mean the, then the, then the second Iraq War where the Americans killed over a million Iraqis, destroyed the country based on lies that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction and ties to Al Qaeda? Yes, based on lies. I had a peace and freedom rally on July 23rd up in Kingston, New York, where I have the most historic buildings in America. Phil Giraldi, former top CIA guy, one of the speakers, one of the top, goes into Bush's office with the facts that there are no weapons of mass destruction. And you know what Bush said? Get out of my office. And Giraldi quit. These are the war criminals. These are the people that should be put up on, on trial. But no, hey, I'm a member of the mob. Shut your mouth or we'll blow your brains out. Daryl Salente is the founder of the Trends Research Institute. The Trends Journal is, uh, well, it was uh, a monthly. Now it's a weekly. And uh, oh, you can go for the monthly option. How do we subscribe, Gerald? Just go to TrendsJournal.com, TrendsJournal.com. You know, I'm not bragging about this. There's no magazine that comes close to it. We tell you what in the world is going on, what it means, what's next, and what you might want to do. And we're political atheists. We put down all the facts, all the facts. This is what's reported. This, and then we give our trend analysis. So, you know, we're not skewing it. And then we give our forecasts. And again, I, I, could, I could keep going on and on about the, the criminality of the United States and, and, and how basically the banksters are in charge of the, of the game. They were run by the banksters. The military industrial complex. How stupid can you be? How dumb and blind and moronic when you got the guy playing the United States Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. Hey, Lloyd, what was your last job? Oh, you mean when I sat on the board of directors of Raytheon, the second largest defense contractor in the United States? Ah, Gerald, we'll take a quick time out. We'll come back and uh, discuss further. Gerald Salente, founder of the Trends Research Journal and the founder publisher of the Trends Journal, trendsjournal.com. Back with more of our conversation right after these. Welcome back to the Richard Serra Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. We're back with Gerald Salente, the Trends Journal. You can subscribe, trendsjournal.com, trendsjournal.com. It's a weekly, 100% ad-free, but you can also go for the uh, the monthly option. We were talking about Zelensky in Washington with his hat in his hand, waiting for another $45 billion. It's funny, you know, he shows up in his his costume, right? His, his uh, cargo pants and his military-style fatigue uh, sweater. Uh, he gets... You know, invited from uh, by Congress, Pelosi compares him to Churchill. Uh, and meanwhile, you know, the poor taxpayer who's deciding, am I going to pay for heat this winter or am I going to pay to put food on the table? Uh, you know, is completely powerless to do anything. Yeah, it is. We need a new third party. You know, I'm talking about this is this clown. It looks like George Goebbels, a great grandson, this, this little arrogant boy, uh, uh, Sullivan, who is the. Um, you know, the national security uh, uh, director over there in the United States, uh, Jake Sullivan, national security advisor. This week, he said, um, we don't know where it's going to end up. We do know that it's our job to continue to sustain our military support 
to Ukraine about peace. Quote, the moment is not right now. Hey, who are you to say this? No, it's not my concern, clown boy. I, Gerald Salenti, am an American. I believe in the founding fathers. I believe in real men, not these little president boys that couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag that said other people could do the murder. A guy like George Washington, his farewell address. Anybody could read it. No foreign entanglements, particularly in Europe. Basically, this crap has been going on for centuries. Oh, and then there was another one. His name was John Quincy Adams. Quote, America goes not abroad in search of monsters to destroy. This has been going on between Ukraine, a border issue, and Russia for what, about 300 years? They're taking down a statue of Catherine the Great because she created Odessa and she hated the Ukrainians. Now, wait a minute. Wasn't she hanging around like 1750? Mm. <laughs> oh, oh you, can't, you can't fix the homeless problems in New York. You talked about not paying, people not being able to pay their energy and everything else while they're giving away. Now it's going to be over $105 billion of our money going to the Lloyd Austin Group, Raytheon. Yeah, Lockheed Martin. Isn't that great? Oh, and by the way, 63% of the plantation workers of Slavelandia in the USSA, 63% are living paycheck to paycheck. But we're going to win those wars, and we haven't won one since World War II, and we've stole trillions and countless trillions of dollars from you and killed people all over the world, and we're going to win this time too. I mean, how can you swallow this crap? Now they're sending guided missiles over there. I mean, is, this is this is now. Uh, well, you you you've said this before. This is officially now World War Three. Yes, yes. If I said to you, hey, listen, Richard, I, I need some hand grenades and a gun. I want to go blow the guy's brains out across the street, and you gave them to me. Yeah, you I'm are an accessory to the crime. The, oh, by the way, I'm not making this stuff up. That loudmouth uh, Austin. He admitted that we're sending, you know, American advisors, they call them advisors, into Ukraine to make sure that the advanced weapons that we're sending there are operating properly. Hey, you mean we have Americans firing the weapons? This is this is mission creep, just like they did in Vietnam. A little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And then boom. Oh, oh, oh. There was a lousy Vietnamese who, by the way, now America buys the second largest importer of clothing and shoes. They 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 hit our ship in the Gulf of Tonkin. Oh, my God. Hey, what are you doing over there in the Gulf of Tonkin? Number one. And number two is a lie. And and what they do is the same thing you're going to see now, a false flag. Go back a couple of weeks ago. Oh, the Rus- the Russians fired a missile into Poland and two people were killed. And NATO now has to unite. Wait a minute. It wasn't Russia. It was Ukraine. Oh, and two people died. How about the 377,000 that are dead in Yemen because a war brought to you by the Nobel Peace of Crap Prize winner Barack Obama, along with the Saudis? Oh, that number, by the way, is according to the United Nations. And out of that 377,000, a half are children under the age of five. Yeah, but who cares about Yemen? We got Ukraine to worry about. Gerald, we'll take another time out back with more of our conversation right after these. 
The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Gerald Salente stays with us, America's top trends forecaster and the founder of the Trends Research Institute. The journal, the Trends Journal, is a weekly. You can uh, subscribe at trendsjournal.com. You can also subscribe as, as a monthly, 100% ad-free, trendsjournal.com. Uh, just shifting gears here a little bit, Gerald, and um, what are retail sales looking like uh, for Christmas in the U.S.? Well, they're down. Uh, they were down zero point six percent, and then when you put inflation in, it's running at seven point one percent. They don't put inflation into the declining retail numbers, so it's much deeper than that. And then when you look at inflation compared to wages, it's worse. And when you go to John Williams Shadow Stats and look at the real uh, consumer price index number, it's more like almost. 16% inflation rate. Because, for example, housing costs have gone up 40% since 2020. No, no, we're not putting housing prices in there. We're going to put an average in there between rentals and this and that. We're going to make up some crap. Oh, and by the way, the price of steak went up. No, no, people are eating chopped meat. The, 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 now the, the, the money they're spending, the products have changed, so we're not going to put that in there. We're going to make up the numbers so that it's a lot lower This way, we don't have to pay the people more in Social Security because as the consumer price index goes up, you have to pay more in Social Security. So the number, the inflation number is a lot higher. And they also want to keep the inflation number artificially low. So the so the uh, the bankster gangsters and the money junkies on the street can get cheap money so they can keep buying up everything and, and gambling on the street. So when you're looking at. At the, the at the retail numbers, they're down. And so, where are you seeing um, uh, retail uh, uh, and consumer confidence? Let's say going into twenty twenty three and for the rest of next year, it's going to take a hit as interest. They raise interest rates again in February. Uh, it's going to keep going down. But again, the game is rigged, and and that's what everybody has to understand. They have a thing called the plunge protection team. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Oh, yeah, the markets are going down. Let's artificially prop them back up. And then again, you know, and we look at the data. The la- following the last 40 midterm elections in the United States, 40, the S&P 500 has gone up 16% over the following 12 months. The game is totally rigged. Look, they just find... Uh, Wells Fargo, uh, $3.7 billion for shafting the people and stealing their money. 
How come nobody goes to jail? Where's the clown boy that's the head of Wells Fargo? Yeah, but if you uh, pull over, where were you? How many drinks did you have? Stand on your head, repeat the alphabet backwards. Yeah, oh yeah, then you go to jail. How about, how about this? How about this? J.P. Morgan Chase, that arrogant little boy, that Jamie Dimon boy that runs it. And I'll say it to his face, five felonies. Count them, one, two, three, four, five, including ladies and gentlemen and children of all ages, rigging the precious metals market that they got fined 900 lousy million dollars for in 2019 as they shafted hundreds of thousands of people investing in those markets. Hey, but I'm Jamie Dimon. I'm at Davos. I'm on CNBC. I'm all over the place. I don't go to jail. No, because in what they call democracies, it's prosecution to the fullest for we, the people of Slavelandia, and the bigs get a slap on the wrist. Gerald Salente, founder of the Trends Journal and uh, the TrendsJournal.com. TrendsJournal.com is the website, 100% ad free. And just uh, what else is covered in this week's issue? Oh, you know, we go from everything from health to you know, high tech, technocracy. You know, we, we cover many different trends. My, my greatest fear right now, or as I said, World War III's begun. You look at the cover of our Trends Journal, February 22nd, two days before Russia's invasion. And again, I'm totally opposed to the invasion, totally understand why it happened. And the headline read, COVID war, Ukraine war, world war, with a nuclear explosion. There, there's going to be either a nuclear exchange or a false flag attack that's going to get people marching off to war. They do it all the time. After the Great Depression, when all else fails, they take you to war, the World War II. The dot-com bust, little Georgie Bush. Again, another daddy's boy. And that's what everybody should understand. Uh, George Collins said it's one big club and you ain't in it. Look at the little true dope you got up there. Look at that arrogant little boy, a daddy's boy. Nothing of a boy. Oh, but you know who my daddy was? How about George W. Bush? Could you get any dumber, stupider, moronic than him? We're going to get that guy Osama bin Laden dead or alive. And 88% of the people swallowed his crap. A daddy's boy. I had this little clown over here in, in New York, uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo. My daddy was Mario. And we renamed him the Tappan Zee Bridge after my daddy. All right. Going back to what's going on. My greatest fear is war. And the people march off to war easily. And there's going to be a false flag event you now see the guy. You can't make this crap up. You can't make it up. And you, you said it. He dresses up in his costume because he is Zelensky, because he never left the sitcom that he used to play before he officially became president of Ukraine. He played the president of Ukraine in a sitcom and played the piano with his penis. I'm not making this up. And people believe it. So my greatest fear is. They're going to take us to World War. World War Three's begun. And if we have a nuclear exchange, it's going to be what they asked uh, Albert Einstein, a cat that knew a thing or two about the atomic bomb. What kind of weapons will be used to fight the Third World War? He said, I don't know, but they'll be using sticks and stones to fight the fourth. There you go. Gerald Salente, Salente, TrendsJournal.com, TrendsJournal.com. Gerald, 
happy Christmas, if I can say yes. that. A happy New Year. Thank you for all your, uh, your appearances on the show. I look forward to speaking with you in 2023. And thank you. And thank you for all you do. And everybody, please do something. It's Christmas time. Whether you believe it or not, they call Christ the Prince of Peace. And nobody talks about peace. It's a dirty word anymore. So in celebration of Christmas, do something to help others and, and do what you can for peace. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gerald. All right. We're going to open up the phone lines one more time. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show right after these. Just having a little chin wag on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk. Saga, 960 AM. back. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Just a few minutes uh, before we uh, move along and uh, bring Sheila Gunn-Reed on board from Rebel News, Alberta Bureau Chief. We'll talk about the uh, federal government, the Immigration Department, at, well, Ministry of Immigration. We're rolling back quarantine restrictions on illegal border crossers. This is back in January of 2022, according to internal memos. They were rolling back restrictions on the illegals crossing over at places like Roxham Road at the very same time they were imposing vax mandates on Canadian truckers. All right. Uh, if you want to weigh in on a story we covered earlier in hour one when Brad Hunter, Toronto Sun crime reporter, was here talking about the uh, vicious and brutal and callous and cowardly murder of a, a homeless man, Kenny, by eight teenage girls, eight of them. Like a pack of wild animals, aged 13 and 16, totally unprovoked attack, decided that for just for kicks, I guess, they would beat and then stab this poor homeless soul to death. And then they just hung around waiting for the cops to show up. They didn't even try and flee. And as it turns out, because of their age, of course, they will not have any serious repercussions. Maximum. Some of them may do, may do three years. It'll be a summer camp. Because of the, uh, well, we used to call it the Young Offenders Act. The Youth Criminal Justice Act. Time to do away with that in such heinous crimes as this. Try them as adults. That's it. Enough. Enough with the Oh, we need to put more money into programs for youth. We need more drop-in centers. No, that's not going to do it. 289-275-9600. I didn't get around to uh, talking about this with Gerald Salente, although I think he covers this story in uh, this week's issue of the Trends Journal. I mentioned it off the top. This is another hint at our dystopian future. Check out this. A biotechnologist in Germany is developing the world's first artificial womb facility. It lets you choose your baby's characteristics from a menu. It's called Ectolife. You're able to grow, or they will be able to grow, they say, 30,000 babies a year. Grow them. 
It's said to be based on over 50 years of groundbreaking scientific research. The concept is the brainchild of Berlin-based Hashem El Ghali. He says the facilities would allow infertile couples to conceive a baby and become the true biological parents of their own offspring. A so-called elite package would allow you to genetically engineer the embryo before implanting it into the artificial womb. Everything from eye and hair color to strength, height, and intelligence can be chosen, and inherited genetic diseases can be avoided. Introducing Ectolife, the world's first artificial womb facility, which is powered entirely by renewable energy. Al, <clears throat> Al excuse me. Al Ghali says in a statement. Uh, according to the World Health Organization, around 30,000 women die from pregnancy complications. Ectolife artificial womb is designed to alleviate human suffering and reduce the chances of C-sections. He says it's only, it only offers a solution for women who had their uterus surgically removed due to cancer or other complications. It could also help countries that are suffering from severe population decline, including Japan, Bulgaria, South Korea, and many others. He believes the technology is available already and only ethical constraints are holding the concept back from, from reality. There you go. It's a baby farm, folks, coming soon to a corner near you. All right. <clears throat> All right. Uh, when we come back, Sheila Gunn-Reed, Rebel News, Alberta Bureau Chief, will talk about the, uh, the, the immigration uh, ministry rolling back quarantine restrictions for illegals while at the same time imposing vaccine mandates on our truckers. That story is next. The Richard Serrett Show continues right after these. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. All right, let's go back to uh, January of this year when the federal government basically picked a fight with our truckers and introduce these vaccine mandates. These are the cross-border truckers, which, of course, precipitated the, uh, the Freedom Convoy protest in Ottawa, which precipitated, unnecessarily, of course, the Emergencies Act and the freezing of bank accounts. Meanwhile, meanwhile, all of the illegals that were crossing into Canada, illegal migrants like places Roxham Road, the federal government was rolling back their restrictions. This has all come to light thanks to the fine work by Sheila Gunn-Reed, Rebel News Alberta Bureau Chief and host of The Gun Show. And she joins us now. Hey, Sheila, how are you? I'm great, Richard. Thanks for having me on the show. So uh, tell me about this access to information filing that you did. Sure. Um, yeah, it was, you know, routine access to information filing into the immigration ministry. And we, you know, we... We do this stuff all the time. You know, when you're curious and you wonder, well, was the government thinking this? We actually file for the documents and ask for it. And as it turns out, you know, and we sort of had an inkling of this, just seeing the um, ramp up of cross-border migration at Roxham Road. We frequently send a journalist down there. And we knew that, you know, migrants were crossing the border quite frequently. And so we filed for access in and around the time that we knew the government was considering that cross-border mandate on Canadian truckers. And as you say, openly picking a fight with truckers who had worked safely and kept the economy afloat for two years, no problem. The problem was, I think, that the government hadn't brought these people to kneel before them. And the documents show that communication between the ministers, so the 
immigration minister and other ministers within cabinet, they were deciding, hey, these cross-border migrants, only 10% of them are vaccinated. We're going to let them come into the country as long as they have their own quarantine plan. What does that mean? (laughs) You're walking into the country across the border. You know you're going to be put up in a government-funded hotel. What does it mean that you have to have your own quarantine plan? But anyway, they were sent to these migrant hotels where they had to wait for their PCR test to come back. And after a couple of days, their PCR test came back and they were basically released into the country, which is at the offset, far less than what the truckers were given. Truckers were forced into a mandatory, I think it was 14 and then 10 day quarantine. Um, the migrants weren't getting that. And then it came that, oh, the, these hotels where we're holding these people up, they're getting too full. So let's just let them in. PCR tests be damned. Let's just let them into the country. In the meantime, the federal government was basically putting by their own admission, might I add, even though they tried to lie initially, by their own admission, 30 to 50 percent of cross-border truckers, they were willing to put out of work with this vaccine mandate. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, And so when this came to light, I mean, what is any reaction yet from our great opposition up in Ottawa? What? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you think they'd be running with this. They have, to their credit, the opposition have after the ouster of Aaron O'Toole, stood with the truckers. So far, so good. But this is huge. This is the federal government choosing people who are entering into our country illegally over law-abiding Canadians who just wanted to work and support their families. This is a bread and butter, meat and potatoes issue for the opposition. But as you point out, they're nowhere to be found on this. Um, initially, the the federal government said, oh, well, well if this vaccine mandate is only going to affect, what, 10 percent of truckers that do cross border for work. According to this information, uh, this filing, how many truckers uh, were affected? You know, that information came out in Christia Freeland, our deputy prime minister's notes at the Public Order Commission. She was forced to produce her notes in and around the time that they were considering the invocation of the Emergencies Act. And she, in her little chicken scratch scribble, notes that 30 to 50 percent of truckers who crossed the border were going to be hit by this vaccine mandate. They were willing to put one in two cross-border Canadian truckers out of work simply because they were non-compliant with the wishes of the government to get a vaccine that we know doesn't stop transmission. And simultaneously, Justin Trudeau, knowing full well, was out in the public to the media saying, oh, this 90 percent of truckers went out and got this vaccine because they know that doing what's best for their community is the right thing for them them to do, as though getting a medicine is some sort of indication of your morality. But that's how this was painted from the very beginning. But it was a flat out lie. They knew that. And again, going back to the point of this story, willing to unemploy one and two cross-border Canadian truckers while cutting all kinds of slack for people who are entering into our country because they might be inconvenienced in the hotels that we were paying for. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Uh, And meanwhile, uh, you know, the rest of us, we couldn't get unvaccinated, couldn't get on a plane, couldn't get on a train uh, to, to move around domestically in our own country. I don't know whether any of these uh, illegal migrants were were dispersed elsewhere into the country with a free with a free train ticket i'm guessing there were no restrictions with uh, travel either 
Not that I've seen. And I wonder how many of these migrants walking into Canada had to download that onerous ArriveCan app like lawful Canadians had to. And then, you know, what was the security on the ArriveCan app? How compromised was that thing? And what are they going to do with the information now that they have it? We don't know, but I guarantee you a migrant didn't have ArriveCan. Great work as always, Sheila. And I want to wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas. Thank you for everything that you've done. You've been so generous with your time over 2022. And uh, I wish you a happy, healthy, prosperous new year. I look forward to speaking with you in 2023. You got it. Same to you, Richard, and your entire team and all of the listeners. Um, We just appreciate the work um, that you put in, Richard, but also the support of everybody at home. Because like you, we couldn't do any of the work that we do without um, people at home cheering for us to keep fighting. Sheila Gunn-Reed, host of The Gun Show, Wednesdays at 9 Eastern on rebelnews.com. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan, and Jacob. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again, God willing. I'll speak with you at 4 p.m. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.